following message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you actually open up at Colossians chapter 2. And I actually haven't left anything to chance because I'm going to put this up before you just in case you don't have your Bible with you because I need you to see some of the things we're going to read this morning because it's so wonderful. This is the title of the message, The Light Now Dawning on the Church. And so this first scripture we're going to look at is actually from Colossians 2. Praise God. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed by now, but messages that keep telling you as such what you're going to do uh, really never change you, what God wants you to do. You know, Jesus had people coming to him all the time saying, tell us what to do. And all of his answers never spoke about what they were doing. All of his answers revealed who they were. They spoke about what they were believing, praise God, because Jesus didn't take, uh, to come to take an axe to the uh, branches of the tree. He came to take an axe to the root of the tree. And the root of everything you're doing this week is what you are believing. Same for me, praise God. And so these messages very often that tell you what you should be doing, um, they sound right and they appear to be great for the gaining of wisdom, but they have no power to do what they promise to do, which is to change you to be more like God. Because still today, it's not the knowledge of good and evil that transforms people. It's the knowledge of God and Christ that transforms people. So it really doesn't matter really how long somebody has been a minister or how many thousands of people as such are following their teachings or how passionately they cry out to you to repent of your ways. If they are pointing you to yourself, that's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit never points you to you. He points you to Christ. Praise God. So this morning, I'm not going to be telling you what you need to do for God in order to have a happy new year. Praise the Lord. I'm going to proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the news of what Christ has done, what he has done. For when we start to see what he has done, then we're going to start to realize that what we suspected was true is true. That if you don't change what you're believing this year, this year is going to be exactly the same as last year. That's always the way. That's our experience. So Jesus never gave people things to do because he came to take an ax to the root, not the branches. And the root of everything you and I do is what we are believing. So let's look to what we're believing this morning. This is Colossians 2, and we read the first uh, couple of verses, 6 and 7. From verse 6 and 7, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? It says abounding in the faith. If you think about what does it mean for somebody to abound in Christ, to abound in the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we think, well, maybe that means that they know a lot of the Bible. Maybe it means they've been to church for years. Maybe it means that they can teach or preach, or maybe it means that they've been uh, a long time around the church. But in fact, according to this, it's actually to abound in thanksgiving. In other words... um, The most spiritual people are those who are the most thankful. I have found that in 30 years around people who know a lot of the Bible. I still have found that the most spiritual people are the most thankful. Praise God. 
And that's why I'm going to pick on you this morning, Roseanne, seeing as you turn 90 this week. I have never failed to hear you say, no matter how Monday a day it has been on a Sunday, aren't we blessed? Aren't we blessed? That's what it is to be anointed of the Holy Spirit, is to be thankful. You think about it, really. Think today of your life, of all the reasons for you not to be thankful. (laughs) Come on. Who's come here with a list? Come on, what's happening in family? What's happening in work? Look what's happening in the world. Go and stand in the queue in the post office. Go and go to the doctors, you know. Go anywhere, and you'll find a million reasons not to be thankful. Aren't you glad we have the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to see that we can be the most thankful people in the world when we see, in fact, how much we have, what Christ has done for us? Praise God. So I'm coming to see more and more that the greatest miracle in life is right before us every day. It's the gift of life itself. And the way our lives are being formed by the relationships we have with people and the relationships with God. And it's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to both. He opens our eyes both to how blessed we are and to who is the giver of that blessing. And that's why this morning, even though, again, we're back to the start of the new year, I'm still going to refuse, as I do every Sunday, to give you something to do as if that you would have a better year if you only did something better, because that leaves you exactly where you are. I'm not going to speak to you as if your best days are ahead of you, because in Christ, you cannot be more blessed. In Christ, you cannot be more blessed than you are today. Ephesians 1 verse 3, For you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly realms, you see? So what we're going to say today is the problem isn't that we're not blessed, it's that I'm not walking in the heavenly realms. And the reason I struggle to walk in the Spirit is because I'm struggling to see in the Spirit. And that's what we're going to see today, actually. What is preventing us from seeing in the Spirit? You see, to see in the Spirit is simply to see what now is because of Christ. I'll say that again. To see in the Spirit is simply to see what now is because of Christ. This is so amazing. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians about seeing in the Spirit. He called it something different. He called it setting your eyes on things above. Do you remember that? So in fact, if you just turn over the page to Colossians 3, we'll read this together. And he said, you see, that that setting your eyes on things above, really, and not earthly things, he said that the result is that you get to see what is not what might be if you have a good year. I'll say that again. When you see by the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to help you to do this as He's helping us every day, you get to see what is, not what might be if you have a good year or a better year. Praise God. Let's read it again. Colossians 3. I'll put this one up. Since then, this is Colossians 3 from verse 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Let me just stop there in verse 1. Look at the tense. Since then you have been, have been, have been. Whoa. <laughs> when it's like rubbing your eyes and waking up in the morning. Ever first thing you wake up in the morning, you can't really see very, very well. You know, your eyes getting adjusted. I believe this is the place where we're at of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth today. We're rubbing our eyes. We're saying, I, I don't quite know what you mean. What do you mean have been? We have been since we have been raised with Christ. And the more you see that's a past event, the more you can live not in the realm of what might be, if we have a happy new year, a new year, but the realm of what is, praise God. 
because we have been raised with Christ. And now that's the fundamental difference between seeing in the Spirit and seeing in the natural, what Paul calls setting your eyes on things above. Here's the difference. When our eyes are set in the realm of the Spirit, we can live in thanksgiving for what is. But when our eyes are set in the earthly realm, we live in fear of what might be. Let me say that again. When our eyes are set into the heavenly realm, when we see by the Spirit what has been and what is, what now is, because of what Christ has done, then we can live in thanksgiving for what is. But if we don't see that way, then we have to live in fear of what might be. Because when you see what is, you see it far outweighs what might be. Amen? So listen again to the first four verses of Colossians 3 and um, look out for a little word. The little word is. But when you see this word, it changes your life. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now. Turn to your neighbor and say, is now. Oh, it's good to hear you. Praise God. (laughs) Say it again. Is now. Is now what? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. We're going to talk about glory this morning. So as long as we have our eyes set in the earthly realm, then we're going to miss what all of heaven can now see, that in Christ we already died and our life is now hidden with Christ and God. I know that sounds strange. I know that sounds foolish. I know that doesn't sound like the week you've just had. Now do you see why you and I need the Holy Spirit? Now you see what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's lifting our lives, lifting our eyes, lifting our believing out of the earthly realm and into the realm where Christ has placed us. The realm where everything that needs to be done has been done. Because when we start to live from there, you can start to live in thanksgiving. And when you're living a life in thanksgiving, you are living the most anointed life you can live. Because everything that's coming against you right now is trying to steal your spirit of thanksgiving. Jesus lived in such a spirit of thanksgiving. People were astonished. Even his brother said to him, I don't get it. You know, you've got nothing. You've got no followers. Why did you go up to Jerusalem and become somebody? Can you see why he was living in thanksgiving? Because he knew who he was. I am. Not I will be if I have a successful three years. I am. That's where he lived. And that's where the Holy Spirit wants to bring the church into. Into Christ. Into the I am. Can you say I am this morning? Blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realm. If you look at your bank account, probably not. If you look at your life or your family or your church or wherever, probably not. But you see, you're not to live from there. You're not to walk there. As you received him, so walk in him. You didn't receive him by all the great things you did, (laughs) but by grace, by the gift you received him. So walk from there. Walk from grace, praise God. Now I know This takes time to grow up into this message. But see, that's how you became the person you are today. Most people sitting right here in front of me today, you still have hang-ups in believing who you are, and you picked up most of those hang-ups in the first seven years of your life. 
Because in the first seven years of your life, when you took on most who you believed you were, because you believed what your parents believed about who you were, and whenever they spoke something negative over you, it went right to the heart of your life. And you became that person who was trying to become a better person all your life, you see? And that's how you're formed. You're formed by words. No wonder Jesus said, you know, to husbands, speak to your wives like Christ speaks to the church. His words bring out her beauty, praise God. If you're sitting under a gospel that's not bringing out your beauty of who you are in Christ, then you're not sitting under the beautiful words of the groom to his bride. Praise the Lord. Why do I feel so strongly about this? We keep coming back to this Sunday after Sunday because I really honestly believe that the greatest need of the world today is for the church to arise and shine as a people whose light has come. A people on whom the glory of God has come. A people who are living in the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy today. Today. Because that's the light that shines in the darkness. Because in setting our eyes above, in setting our eyes to see what the Spirit sees, we are seeing that in Christ we already died. We already were resurrected. We sang it this morning, one of the lines of the song, that we, we are now in the resurrection. It's our resurrection. And if we're already resurrected, that resurrection was God's judgment on us. I'll say it again. The resurrection was God's judgment on us. as God declaring, you are justified in my Son. You are righteous. Praise God. In Christ, we have already passed from death to life, and our lives are now today hidden with Christ and God. And whether we have a happy new year or not, or the worst year of our lives, isn't going to reverse what Christ did. Isn't that good news? Praise the Lord. Now, you know, in these verses in Colossians 3, when Paul speaks about either setting your eyes on earthly things or setting your eyes on things above, he's saying really that a Christian can live from two different places. And we all know this. We can draw our perspective on life from two entirely different places. We can either live from the waiting room or we can live from the throne room. Set your eyes on what's happening in this world and you'll end up always waiting for God to bless you. Is that not true? Set your eyes on the heavenly realm and you can live from having been blessed with every blessing. And when you live from there, then like Paul and Silas singing in that jail in Philippi, you're not waiting for a better day. You're singing because you're living in thanksgiving, even in the worst day of your life. Because you're not drawing your perspective from the things that are happening to you, but for what happened in you. Christ in you, praise God, is the hope that you're drawing your life from now. Praise the Lord. So set your eyes on the heavenly realm, and you can live from having been blessed with every blessing. You don't have to live as a Christian in fear and trepidation about what might be or might not be this year or any other year. Because you no longer have to live as if the jury is still out on whether you qualify or not for eternal life. Because here's the good news. The jury came in 2,000 years ago on the day Jesus was resurrected. That was the verdict. Praise God. And the verdict is right there in Scripture. We'll read it actually in Romans 4.25. If I go on to that Scripture, just move that on to the next Scripture. And you'll see it together. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification, our being declared righteous, praise God. Romans 4, 25. So there's no question, you see, about whether God will share his life with you. That question was answered 2,000 years ago. The only question now is, will you receive his life as your life? Will you and I receive his death as our death? Will we receive his resurrection 
as our resurrection? Or is it only something we sing on a Sunday morning? Will we receive the judgment passed on him as the judgment passed on us? Righteous, my son with whom I'm well pleased. That's what the resurrection said. Will we receive his ascension into the heavenly realm as our ascension? As the scripture tells us that we have been raised with him and sit with him today in the heavenly realms. Will you receive the truth that you have already passed from death to life and so be set free from what Hebrews 2.15 declares has chained you and I all of our life to our performance, our fear of death and the judgment. That fear of death is like a great darkness that actually covers the earth. And multitudes today sit in that darkness because the light has not yet risen on them. They sit with their eyes transfixed, as it were, on this earthly realm, enslaved to the fear of death, for they've not yet seen the light. They've not yet seen something greater than death, resurrection life. Life lived unafraid of death, a life that is lived as if death has lost its sting. And that's the life that we've been given. They've not yet seen that light, you see, because the people in their midst who should be living in that light, shining that heavenly light, living in the triumphant joy of those who have already passed from death to life, multitudes of us in the church are still not yet walking fully in that realm because we're not yet seeing fully in that realm. But that's changing. Praise God. Across the world, multitudes in the church still sit under the shadow of the old covenant rather than arise in the light of the new. So in the words of Paul to the Corinthians, when you look to the law, a veil covers your heart. Do you remember that scripture in 2 Corinthians 3? A veil covers your heart. Because to look to the law is to look to yourself and your performance as your hope. Preaching and teaching that directs your attention to yourself, blinds you to the heavenly realm. Because the 2 Corinthians 3 says, it is only in turning to Christ that the veil is taken away. This is what's happening this morning. When the gospel preached directs you to your life in Christ, a veil has been taken away. And you're seeing that your life here is not the all of your life. There is much, much more to your life. Let me give you an example. If you're living in the middle of a city, uh, and you go out tonight, if you live in the middle of Derry, you go out tonight, you try and look at the stars, you can't see them. Why not? Besides the fact that usually in Derry we're covered by cloud. <laughs> but imagine even on a cloudless night, you still can't see the cloud in Derry, or the stars in Derry. Why not? The streetlights. The street There's so much man-made light, you can't see the heavenly light when you're surrounded by man-made light. Now, the exact same thing is, is the same spiritually. In the, in the earth, you've got to go out into the countryside. You've got to go well away from man-made light before you can see the heavenly bodies. So too, you've got to get well away from all this teaching that's filling your heads full of man-made glory, religiosity, what you can do for God, what you should do better, who you could be. You could be holier. You could do this. You could do that. When you're surrounded by that, you can't see. It blinds you to the light, the heavenly light that's already there, what Christ has actually done for us. It's so beautiful. So ask yourself, if you're listening to, if you're turning your eyes away, is what you're listening to turning your eyes away from man-made glory and all his religious striving onto Christ? Is the gospel you're listening to setting your eyes on the realm where you died and your life now is already hidden with Christ and God? Or has what you've been listening to blinded your vision? 
of that realm because it keeps turning your eyes back onto the earthly realm where men live continuously passing and preaching judgment on each other as if Christ's resurrection never happened. That's what it is to live in a dark world. My goodness, the Apostle Paul said, Oh, woe is us. How pitiful are we if Christ was not raised from the dead? What a life would lead. Because to live like that, as if Christ has never been resurrected, we live like that when our eyes have been so blinded by the glory of the law, the glory of a sinning less life, that we are blind and veiled to the glory of a sinless life. <laughs> That's your life in Christ. The sinless life. Let me paraphrase 2 Corinthians 3. Yes, the law, the ministry of condemnation has glory, but much more does the ministry of righteousness excel in glory. Yes, the ministry that asks you to examine your life and try and change it for the better before Jesus returns has glory. But much more is the glory of the gospel that declares your hope of glory is not your life between now and then. Your hope of glory is not a better new year. Your hope of glory is his life in you today. Christ in you today is your hope of glory. Now, Paul spoke of how sitting under the law had veiled the hearts of his Jewish brethren. Do you remember that in Romans 10? He said, I'll give them this. My goodness, they're zealous. There's glory in that. They look so good. But in failing, in trying to establish their own righteousness, do you remember that? They had failed to submit to the righteousness that comes from God. If the gospel you're sitting under is pointing you to your righteousness, it is not pointing you to Christ and your vision of your real life today, hidden with Christ and God, is veiled. And that's where many of us have been for years. You're not believing that you already died and passed, already passed from death to life in the resurrection of Christ. You're not believing that because your capacity to believe that, what the Bible calls your heart, has been made sick by your hope being continually deferred to some future date, some future judgment. Not the resurrection, but some other judgment in the future. And when you keep deferring your hope like that, it makes your heart sick. That is not living in the Spirit. If you are not believing in Christ resurrected as God's judgment on you, then you cannot live in joy, peace, and righteousness today. Oh, I better say that again. <laughs> if you're not believing... In Christ's resurrection is God's judgment. You, you cannot live in joy and peace and righteousness today. But instead, you must live in a world of fear and judgment and accusation where your life is not shining with the glory already yours, but instead your hope of glory has been deferred to the future and your heart has become hardened and tired and worn out and disappointed and sickened by a life of always waiting for but never entering into God's judgment on you. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrected life. Praise God. That's that scripture, by the way, from Proverbs 13 and 12. Um, there's a little declaration. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not declare what will be if you. It declares what now is because he. Praise God. The world sits in deep darkness because multitudes of Christians are living their life from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Did Christ fulfill your dream or not? Did he deal with everything in your life that you can't deal with? Did he bring you into that place with God of peace and joy, or didn't he? 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Our problem in the world is multitudes of us as Christians have been eating from the wrong tree. We're still eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I need more knowledge. I need more knowledge. Gosh, you know, you can be in the church for 50 years and have a pile of knowledge about the Bible and God and everything else and yet be living as afraid as anybody else in this world because hope deferred has made your heart sick. You've heard and heard and heard, but I've never had the capacity to actually receive the good news because my hope has been so deferred by not seeing that the resurrection was God's judgment on me. Praise God. So the world sits in this deep darkness because multitudes of us are eating from the wrong tree. And when our mouths open, out should come the light of the gospel, the good news that the Lamb of God has taken away the sins of the world. Or did John the Baptist make a mistake when he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Out should come that good news so that we can live in peace and thanksgiving, irrespective of what's happening in this year or any other year. But instead, when multitudes of us open our mouths today, out comes a river of condemnation and judgment and fear that sounds nothing like good news. Because the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And our hearts have been filled with the knowledge of good and evil. Because right from the Garden of Eden, such knowledge has the appearance of good, and it tastes good, and it looks good for the gaining of wisdom. But the moment you start feeding off that lie, the lie that the best is yet to come, you blind yourself to the truth. The best already came. Oh, this is so beautiful. The best already came. Did he not? Or is it the spirit of Antichrist in the world that says, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Any spirit that will not say that God himself came in flesh is the spirit of Antichrist. Don't go looking for some new spirit of Antichrist. It's been here for 2,000 years. The Bible says you're living in the end days. been saying that to the church from day one because the spirit that refuses to believe that God came in the flesh has been here since day one. Praise God. The best has already come, and he did not hold back anything of himself from you and I. So yes, there is glory in the message that says victory is near. Get your house in order. Cut back your sinning. Step up your praying. But look around you. Such a message cannot dispel the darkness in the world because that message, victory is near, look to your behavior, is a message from the spirit of the world. It's a message on your TV every night. That's what the world has been saying for 2,000 years. Victory is near, and here's what you need to do to save yourself. It's the most popular message in the world. That's not the gospel. Such a message cannot dispel the darkness in this world because it is not the light of the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ does not declare what will be if you. declares what is because he. Can you see the difference? Light's dawning. Praise God. It takes time, doesn't it? takes time. Why? Because we've been up to our eyes in religion, in the message of the world, the spirit of the world. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and says, you did not receive the spirit of the world, but you received the spirit that comes from God that you may know the things freely given, already given to you. That's what the spirit comes to see and to show us. 
what you already have, what already is. Holy Spirit doesn't come to speak about what might be, what may be, if you have a better year. <laughs> he comes to declare what, what is. So when you declare to people what is, you find the Holy Spirit comes and confirms in their heart, you know. They might not fully understand, but one thing they know, I don't understand exactly what this guy is saying, but something in me is saying this is true. That's the Holy Spirit. Because he comes to confirm what is. What is? Because Jesus died and rose again to be what is. Because in the eternal realm, there's no past, present, and future. There just is. No wonder when they asked God what your name is, he didn't say, well, I was or I will be. He said, I am that I am. Because in the eternal realm, things just are. So where are you living? Are you living in the eternal realm where you just are holy and righteous? Or are you living in the earthly realm where, well, I'm trying to have a better year this year, you know, and maybe by 2023, I might be a bit closer you're not being any closer if you're still as blind as you were last year. Be encouraged. You're not here by accident. You're not hearing this by accident. Neither am I. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Light dawns slowly. I think about those pit ponies very often in Wales. We heard about those ponies. Once I visited one of those pits in Wales, went way, way down deep half a mile into the ground. It was pitch black. When they turned the lights out, you could not see your finger in front of your face. And there were ponies that were born down there and reared down there. And they could not bring those animals up during the day because they'd go mad. Because the sun was too bright. So they brought them up at night. Because the sun dawned slowly, you see. And those animals' eyes got acclimatized to the light. And that's what's happening right now in the church. This message will drive people in the church mad if they hear it all at once. <laughs> That's what happened to the Apostle Paul, a good religious man on his way to Damascus. And he suddenly got this message all in one go. Saul, Saul, why are you touching me? Woo! He couldn't take it. He was blinded. He was like one of those donkeys brought up straight away in the middle of that noonday sun. He saw a light as bright as the noonday sun. That's the gospel. A light as bright as the noonday sun. And it drives some Christians berserk. But it's the only gospel worth preaching. Because in the light of the noonday sun, you can see clearly. And when that's reflected in your face, you will be a light in the darkness of this world. In the middle of a, of a world and a church that are saying, try harder because victory is near, you will be a light in that darkness. If you will walk in the life that is already yours in Christ. This beautiful, victorious life. Praise God. The gospel does not declare what God will do for you if you. It declares what God has done for you because Christ. The gospel does not declare victory is near. And here's what you need to do to save yourself. It declares victory is here. For Christ has done what you could never do. The gospel is not your glory will come one day. Hang on in there and keep your eyes fixed on world events. That's not the gospel because it's not the promise of the dawn that dispels the darkness. It is the dawn itself. It's the dawn itself that dispels the darkness, not the promise of it. The gospel is not the promise of the dawn. It is the dawn rising in the darkness. It is not the promise of glory that dispels the darkness. It is the present glory in us that dispels the present darkness in the world. And that is why right now, when the world has never seemed such a dark place, has never been so blinded and so deafened by all the things happening, all the man-made light and sound, this is not the hour for the church to be captivated by earthly events. 
but to be setting her eyes above where her real life is. For from there, from the heavenly realm, the realm of the Spirit today is being trumpeted, the eternal call of the Spirit to the bride across the world. And here it is from Isaiah 60. Isn't this so beautiful? This is what the Spirit is saying to the bride right now. Arise, shine, for your light Shout out, has come. Praise the Lord for the gospel. He came. He did everything necessary. So church, I say it again. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, yes, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Praise God. So who is our light who has come? It's Jesus Christ and his life in us is our glory. Christ in us, the light of God, the light of man. So yes, one day Christ will physically return, but he's coming back for a radiant bride, not a religious bride. Ah, did you get that? He's coming back for a radiant bride. He's coming back for the bride described in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Praise the Lord. Remember this one? He's coming back for a bride with an unveiled face who has been living, contemplating the Lord's glory and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that describes you and I this morning. Not a group of individuals hoping to live in a better new year, but a body, a resurrected body, a body living as if it's already passed from death to life, a body now awakening to our real life, hidden with Christ and God. For in these dark years, the Holy Spirit has led us more and more to contemplate the Lord's glory in each other. The Lord's glory in us. Our participation in his life and his participation in our life. This is the light that's now dawning on the church. The reality of our heavenly life with him. Our heavenly light in him. The reality of it. That's the light that's dawning in the church. The Holy Spirit. And this contemplation, us seeing his glory in each other, is causing and will continue to cause this year such a transformation in his body, his church, into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is his spirit. And I see that in your lives. I see it in your life, Stephen. I see it in your life, Mary. I can see it in your life, John. I see this. And we see it in each other. We see a transformation from glory to glory as we're receiving this message that you're not what your school record said you'd be. You're not what your parents said over you. You're not all that you'll never be this and you'll never be that. Christ made you. I am who I am by the grace of God, the Apostle Paul wrote. And we're given the Holy Spirit that we'll say the same thing. So you can have the worst year of your life this year. And in that darkness, you'll shine as you've never shone before. And I think of Paul and Silas having the worst night of their life up towards midnight. And all the prisoners sitting there astonished listening to men who were singing on the worst day of their life. So astonished that even when all the doors flew open, nobody moved. Because where would you go to see liberty like that? And that's what the world is waiting to see in the church. Such a liberty, liberty from self-consciousness and self-effort. Liberty from religion. And what better time for such a light to arise than in an hour when thick darkness covers the earth. So mark my words. Look at that last verse. They will come to the light And I'm telling you, River City Church, 
and I'm speaking to the people, not the building, you're going to be astonished who's going to come to you this year. You're going to be astonished who's going to come to the light in you this year. Praise God. So let that light shine. You rejoice over your life. You rejoice over the resurrection of Christ was your resurrection. Don't make it something you just sing on a Sunday. Stand and look at yourself in the mirror when you've made the biggest mistake of your life. Stand and look at yourself in the mirror when you've done that thing that you shouldn't do for the umpteenth time and every voice in your head is saying, you'll never change. Stand and look at yourself in the mirror and say, too late. Because 2,000 years ago, I was totally changed. Because everything changed. Because the verdict came into me in the resurrection of Christ. And by the grace of God, I receive that as his verdict on my life today. So I will now live today not as somebody who's waiting in dread and fear for judgment. I will live beyond the judgment. That's joy. That's life. That's peace. That's the life of God. That's the light of God in his church today. Praise God.